Welcome back to One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Marnbrecht, coming to you each and every week with all things New York football giants. And as we come to you on a Sunday almost evening here, it's another loss for the Giants, Andy. Before we dive into this game, how you feeling? We went out today, we got at the bar. Better situation, right? A little bit of libation, a little bit of levity. Yeah, well, it was nice to also be able to watch a couple of other games while the Giants were going on. You know, usually when we're watching it together, we're focused on the Giants. This one, we had about 300 TVs around us, so it was going around uh, the league, and uh, it didn't still make this game hurt any less. No, by the end of it, we were still locked in. I didn't appreciate having your uh, brother-in-law with us. That was a bit of a problem for me. I don't want to go into details about him right now, but the bottom line is, as we dive into this matchup here, a 19-14 loss for the New York football Giants. You go into the stat sheet here a little bit, you know, in spite of one good drive, essentially, from Daniel Jones in the offense, because he threw for nearly 100 on one drive, I believe it was. 21-36 to 36 is his line there. Throws the two touchdowns. At the end of the day, some of these things can look, quote-unquote, positive, but this still ends up just being a muddled game, right? On all three phases of action here. And then we can obviously dive into some of the ones that were super disappointing uh, via Rosas and some just clutch kicking performances that actually really played a huge factor in this game. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, this script was slightly different uh, in a lot of ways than the normal giants loss. You know, the giants came out, had the ball first, they punted. And usually uh, the Giants defense uh, gives up a touchdown very quickly and the Giants are down 14 nothing. This game had a different feel to it early on. You know, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who uh, has had his own struggles, and we're going to go into him in a little bit. Um, you know, after, after the Giants and, and uh, the Bears traded some punts, uh, looked like the Bears were going in and Ogletree made a very athletic interception for the Giants' defense in the end zone. And, and you know, at that point, you kind of thought, maybe something. Well, watching that in real time, too, you were you said, you were like, like, who had that pick? And I was like, it's Ogletree. I mean, that was athletic for me, you know what I mean, in a way that obviously all NFL players are incredible athletes. But, I mean, he leaped back in the end zone there and, and ended up picking off Trubisky early. Going to jump in real quick here and tell you about the Vivid Seats app, something that Andy and I have been using, which makes it easy to have them as a sponsor. Wherever you go to download the app, you can get it and automatically be enrolled to their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, which gets you credits back on each and every purchase that you make. So maybe you're thinking about checking out the Green Bay Packers coming to the Meadowlands this weekend with a redemption opportunity for Aaron Rodgers following a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers, looking to right that ship against what has been a porous defense for Big Blue. And when you do head over there, you're going to be receiving the money back guarantee 100% of the way from Vivid Seats. I've been mentioning this time and time again. Nothing in life is guaranteed 100%. I'm not guaranteed to have a delicious meal for Thanksgiving in a couple of days, but you do get the 100% buyer guarantee from the Vivid Seats app. You can get in there, see your section, your seat, the row you're going to be in, the exact perspective you're going to get from the big game, the big theater show, or the or the great concert that you want to get into. And for new users at checkout, when you go to make that purchase, enter the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout to receive up to $100 off on that purchase. That is correct. Just for downloading the app, liking this podcast, hearing this ad read, you can enter OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout for new users to receive up to a $100 discount. I think you're right. 
this felt like the kind of game you and I talked about it last week when we were going into our predictions, right? I called for a Giants loss ultimately because, and I pointed to it, I thought this kind of game where a, a quarterback like Trubisky, who hasn't necessarily been having a nice season and where a defense hasn't quite played up to snuff, all of a sudden they all start firing on some positive cylinders. Final stat line for Trubisky wasn't necessarily overwhelming, but 278 touchdown and two picks, but he still had a nice drive when it counted. You know what I mean? He still got the job done. Yeah, but but what I will say is after that interception, the Giants punted. They traded punts with the Bears, and then the Giants came down and scored first, and that was a huge difference than the last five or six games where you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the first quarter, the Giants are down 14 nothing. Or they're down seventeen nothing. Uh-huh. The Giants are up seven nothing, and I looked at you and kind of said, "Oh, my pick might look pretty good right now, <laughs> right? Pretty juicy on this side." Well, and we we highlighted this in the past weeks. Uh, you know, the Giants defensively have given up a number of fourteen point spreads going down early in these games, seventeen nothing a handful of weeks ago as well. So, you know, actually, <laughs> what's funny about this is I don't even think I realized that this was a seven to three game at halftime, New York Football Giants. Right. Like, I didn't realize that we were actually leading this game. And then, in some regards, and we'll, we'll touch on this now, Rosas misses two field goals. He's had a rough year. You were exchanging some info, uh, some text back and forth with a friend talking about who's a better or worse field goal kicker, Chicago's or ours. But ultimately, to only finish with then 14 points, right? You know, seven points at halftime against the Chicago Bears. It's, a, it's, a, it's obviously a good defense. And we talked about this with the Bears report on our crossover. But to, to be 7-3 and lose this game 19-14, right? To not have more points on the board and to ultimately, in a situation where you should have been, and we can highlight this as well, a, a strip fumble for Daniel Jones. It leads to a touchdown for the Chicago Bears in a very, very short field. Uh, you know, this game theoretically in the fourth quarter should have been 20 points for the Giants to 13 at the time for the Chicago Bears. And that plays out very differently when the defense is actually having a decent game for us. Well, it does. And you talk about Rosas and, and the Giants go down, they score and they're up seven, nothing. And usually what happens is the other team comes right back and they score against us. And you, you don't even have a chance to breathe on offense where you're saying, yes, the offense is doing well. Uh-huh. The Giants defense forced a three and out. They actually had negative seven yards on that, on that drive by Trubisky. I look at you and I said, man, they're in the world of hurt with Trubisky. And the Giants come down and they have a field goal opportunity and Rosas misses it. Then, after they miss field goal, the, the defense has to get back on the field after a little bit of a debilitating missed field goal. They force another punt. The uh-huh. Giants' offense moves the ball down the field again, has an opportunity to score points, and they don't. And, you know, I have been beating this defense up quite a bit. And they were playing well, and they were giving the ball back to the offense, knowing that Chicago was struggling. And we just didn't take advantage early on in the game when we had an opportunity to really step on the throat. 100%. I do want to pivot over to that defensive side of the ball because we did get a chance to see some young players. I very excitedly grabbed you by the jersey at the bar and said, that's Sam Beal who made a tackle. And then later in the game, Julian Love came up with what was a very much a gimme interception from Mitchell Trubisky, who looked like he gave everything he had behind that throw, by the way, in a clean pocket, and came about 12 yards short of his target. Brutal. But on the, to stay with the offense for a minute here, you know, this is some of the things that I was catching on Twitter as well while we were watching this game. They talked about at some point you have to look at Barkley and what, what, you know, what is he contributing to the issues here. And if you're saying it's a bad offensive line, then you're also condemning making that, that second overall pick for Barkley. 
you go inside these numbers, 17 for 59 for Barkley. Uh, it had a long of 22, so half of his yards almost come on that play. Daniel Jones scampers for 27 on two runs, and then they did an end around with Shepard that picked up 22 as well. 109 rushing yards is nothing to write home about. 5.2 average. Again, it's very skewed by who did what when for them. Just, just to dismiss this piece a little bit, we, we both agree, right, that, that Barkley is hurt. He's playing through it, and that's, I'm okay with that. I get that he wants to be on the field. I don't think that the Giants should, quote-unquote, shut him down to save him from himself. I'm okay with him playing. But this offensive line is terrible. The strip sack comes on, and I, I'm not saying anyone's going to do better than Soldier for us currently, but it always happens in the biggest plays. Soldier turns like a, turns like a turnstile. Turns like a turnstile? That, a, that can't be a phrase, can it? It can be. It can be. He, he looks like a turnstile and gives up. Mac comes around the edge, and you even said it. For the most part, Mac was quiet in this game, but in the biggest situation, he gets around the edge, gets a strip fumble, and then the Bears are you know in prime position offensively. So just to put that to bed, though, I mean, you don't have any – reservations about what Barkley is for this team long-term. No. As I mean, you sit here and I mean, in a Barkley's jersey. Yeah, <laughs> as I'm wearing my Barkley jersey from the bar. Uh, I I think clearly any Giant fan can see that he does not have confidence cutting on that injured ankle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, compound that with teams are starting to realize, you know, what the offensive line is for the Giants and where the strengths are and what Daniel Jones can and can't do or where he's, you know, prone to give turnovers. And, and you can see Barkley every single time that he touches the ball, he takes one step and someone's in his face in the backfield. And he, listen, I, I know that a lot of teams make excuses for great players to say, well, it's got to be someone else. It's got to be something mm-hmm. else. It, it clearly, he's clearly not right right now. And it, it, it's almost doing a disservice to him because people are now turning around saying, maybe we shouldn't have drafted him number two overall. He didn't overnight lose the amazing – explosiveness and yeah. skill set that he had and clearly something else is at bay here yeah and you can go back if, if you want if you were one of the people back when they drafted Barkley who thought they were making a mistake should have gone Sam Darnold or should have gone anywhere else in the draft whatever it was should have traded back you can make that case and stand on that now today and say look the offensive line is bad and no matter what Barkley isn't doing what he needs to be doing and that's fine but fans that are going from how they felt about Barkley last year, where it was that he was a transcendent player and was basically hands down the best running back in the league, now you're going to pivot and say that this guy is just, it's done, it's over, he can't do what needs to get done, and this is a huge disaster. That to me is just too much, you know, t- I don't want to say typical fan-based stuff, but very reactionary week to week. Well, Adam, in all fantasy football leagues, Saquon Barkley was the unanimous yeah. number one overall pick. Uh-huh. And now all of a sudden everyone has revisionist history and says, well, maybe he's not the guy or maybe he's not great or whatever it is. If, if you're watching this game and, and you think that this is the normal, healthy Saquon Barkley, then you really haven't been watching him the last four years, you know, when he was in from high school to college at Penn State right, dominating right. To, to year one when he looked amazing, even with a struggling Eli Manning. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. And behind a line that wasn't as good as it was, let's say, last year. And then this year has certainly been a, a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to that. So so I have a question for you, Adam. So we okay. talked a little bit about the rushing side of things, the receiving side of things. You know, Darius Slayton looked amazing today. He looked like a, the type of guy that could be a potential number one. What, what, yeah, you know, four for watch, 67, yeah, long and 19. Yeah. We, we were watching it at the bar, and it felt like he was making every every big play for the Giants. He did only have four for 67. The leading receiver in receptions 
tied with Sterling Shepard was Caden Smith, the, a yeah. tight end that was not even on the squad as of a week or two ago. Not only and, for 17 yards on five catches, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And what, what I'm, when I when I run down the the Giants receiving core and I look at Daniel Jones only having 150 yards uh-huh. passing today, what what do you kind of think about the spread on who caught what? passes today as well as only having 150 yards passing. well you know what and this does go back to talking to the guys on the bear report and you even mentioned it when we were leading up to doing that podcast about where the the bears defense ranks actually statistically they hadn't been great in turnovers they've taken some penalties but from a rushing yards and a passing yard standpoint they have been solid they're still top 10 in those categories i think top three in one of those two uh, if i'm not mistaken so you know this is a really good defense, arguably one of the best defenses that we face at this point in the season. So I'm more still looking at the offensive line as being a reason why you can't do as much as you maybe want to on the offensive side. That being said, I, I probably lean in the direction of, because Saquon Barkley only gets two targets in this one. Uh, sorry, two receptions, had three targets, but that puts him way down the list, fifth in terms of target share. Shepard gets targeted a ton in this, by the way. And not only that, we talked about Caden Smith, five catches for 17 yards on six targets. Shepard, five catches for 15 yards on nine targets. So spreading this ball around and wanting to get into what you consider to be your best playmakers, Shepard probably falls in the same category as Barkley, still coming back from some things. And I was a little surprised that we didn't spread it around. Well, you know what? Golden Tate got seven targets. So I'm looking at it right now, right? Seven targets, three for 33. Slayton getting seven targets makes a lot of sense for me. I think that in big picture, in big picture terms, you can now look at him as being a legitimate number two for this roster and a guy that can affect defenses going forward for you. That being said, what we don't have is necessarily the straight out explosive weapon outside of Barkley coming out of the backfield that adds up to big offensive numbers in big chunk plays like what you saw with Slayton last week, but against tough defenses, right? Where's the true number one that is going to get you the yardage week in, week out against the toughest matchups? And that might be an area that the Giants have to look at as you move you know, towards the offseason. Well, but that kind that's of, a bit of a rant, ramble no, there. But, but. But, but that brings into a little bit about Daniel Jones. I mean, you know, Daniel Jones only threw for 150 yards today. Like, and, he, let, and, he, and he threw for – nearly 80, uh, 97 and one quarter this game. Right. So you're talking about a guy who was only throwing for 60 yards over three quarters. Right. So, yeah. so while, while, you know, we have loved him since his coming out party, uh, you know, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, this was the type of game he's playing. against a good defense on a road. He's a rookie quarterback, but 150 yards. We talked about this before that I felt the defense and, and I, Eight crow a little bit because I've been very critical of our defense. I feel like the defense did enough in this game to win the game. And yes, Daniel, yeah, we talked about this at the, yeah, yes, the bar. Yes, and yeah. Daniel Jones only throws for 150 yards and gives up a huge fumble against Khalil right. Mack, which led to seven points for the Bears. You know, Mitchell Trubisky threw for over 100 yards more than what Daniel Jones did. But anyone in the field wouldn't have said that Mitchell Trubisky looked better than Daniel Jones. Like, it, or is, well, and by, is by the better. way, uh, QB rating, 80, 86.6 for Daniel Jones, 68.9 for, for Trubisky. So statistically, even with all those yardage, Daniel Jones, like, if the Chicago Bears could have had Daniel Jones start for them, they would have wanted that. 
and they would have loved to have dunked Trubisky onto the Giants, right? Yet, nevertheless, these are the net results. And as we were coming back from watching this game out today, you and I started to talk about that idea of ultimately, because we want to try to find the positives as well in this scenario, but like this is what the team is, right? This is kind of what we're saying, that big picture thing of, I don't know how well you can assess any of this, and, and we'll, we'll kind of transition into the coaching aspect of it now too, because I will say, even in a game against Trubisky, who no one's very high on this year, I thought that Betcher and the defense looked a lot stronger than they had. We, again, Julian Love, I loved that he, I loved Love, and he was on the field, he made a nice play, had an easy interception, you saw Ballantyne a lot, he did get picked on a bit in this game, but I think some new, doing some new things, getting some younger blood in there was effective for them. There wasn't any big blunders in this for Shermer, right? There wasn't any point in the game where we thought, what the heck, outside of the fourth down play where they ran, again, it was a combination, because I think everyone basically on social media as well said, when you're going to go for it on fourth down, it's two components. One, you can't call a play that has a guy running a two-yard route across the field when you need four. And if you're Daniel Jones, you can't throw the ball to the guy that's running a two-yard route. You know, I don't know how, you, how much blame you want to put on a rookie quarterback or how much you want to really get into Pat Shermer. I thought for the most part this was a clean game calling, you know, from Pat Shermer. I, I would agree. And I, don't, I would not put this on the play calling from Shermer. I wouldn't put this on Betcher on the, uh, you know, on the defensive side. I think they played well. But is that almost even more worrying? Is that the defense played well? Shermer stayed away from critical mistakes that we've criticized him in the past huh? for. We only put up 14 points. And so for me, you know, as we transition away from just, you know, the nuts and bolts of this game is did this game in any way change your outlook on the players for the rest of the season, the coaching staff for the rest of the season? Like what, what is the outlook? Did this game do anything for you in terms of the last five games of the season? Well, the, the, the last thing about this game I'll say is something that I mentioned on Twitter during it. And, and this was in conjunction with the Bear Report because we were going back and forth a little bit on Twitter. I said, you know, the Bears are a decent team having a rough season right now. That's what it is. And that's, I think, what you saw in this game. There's a lot of talent. The defense is a strong defense. They can't quite figure things out offensively, but they're still now a 500 team, right? The Giants are a bad team having a bad season. And that's probably my big takeaway is that I'm, I, I can pull back a little bit. I'm still a proponent of moving on from this coaching staff probably, but I do take a step back and say, yeah, like, you know, this is a clean game for the coaching staff. Like we did as much right as you can possibly do, but then your pro bowl kicker from last season is missing field goals. Your rookie quarterback is fumbling and giving easy offensive opportunities your uh some of your young defensive talent is struggling and getting beaten up a little bit so there's a lot of things to point to and this goes where for me it goes top of the chain right we go to the top of the chain here and you start to look at general managers well and and that's the thing i was going to ask from from this game my takeaway about the bears is that they're one quarterback away from actually again being a really good team and competing and maybe being in the division and competing with the Vikings and the Packers, they're one quarterback away. And yeah, I know the yeah. quarterback is the most important position on the field, but they still have really nice pieces around the field. If I were to ask you, the Giants are what away from competing for the division? I, I don't know if I, I can point to one player or one position that 
if we were to upgrade that tomorrow, would actually put the Giants at the top or a challenger for the NFC East? No, 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 no. And I, so I have a thought on the Giants piece of it. And what I was going to just to wrap with that idea about the, about the, the Bears, rather, they go to Detroit to face a relatively susceptible Lions team without Matthew Stafford, at quarterback. They're going to have the Cowboys and the Packers, the Chiefs, the Vikings. So by the end of this year, that's a rough schedule to finish out. Brutal. This could be the kind of team that you do see looking at a 6-10 and 10, you know, six and ten record. But I, I agree with you. I think 100% this is a team that with a quality veteran quarterback and the defense that they have can win games and get back into contention. On the Giants side of things, the only position I point to because of how important it is to the success of so many different elements, which includes not only the, uh, the quarterback play, but also the running back play, and then how the receivers can play, is left tackle. Now, that being said, if you told me tomorrow we plug in the top-rated left tackle, we get Trent Williams, you know, automatically plugs in on the left tackle for us. I mean, does it move the needle for it? I think it does. But right now, I'd say it moves But does it make us a playoff team? No, I was going to say, like, so say we're, if we're a three-win team this year, it can make us a five-win team. If we were four wins against, you know, it can be a two-win difference. But if you look at the Bears, if you plug in a healthy Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston or someone that may be available in the free agent, right, you, wire, go, from, that's, you that's, go from six to nine, right? You like six, you, you, you become be, yeah. a playoff team, and what happens is inherently with that defense, they they are dealing with so many three and outs on the Bears side. Where if you have a competent quarterback that can move the ball down the field, the defense is just not on the field as much, so they don't have yeah. to make as many plays, and and that is. The big difference that I saw today is Trubisky wasn't great and he looked terrible. And I am glad that we have Daniel Jones and not Mitch Trubisky. Right. As a Giants fan, that that feels good. But at the same time, this is another illustration. You know, you look at a team that's maybe one piece away. We are still multiple pieces away from really competing. A hundred percent. And I think there's a there, there is an element of this that goes back to the organization to the move, you know, post Ben McAdoo and, and the debacle with Eli Manning and that transition and then bringing in Dave Gettleman and all these things. I do think that if you are a fan of this team, you have to at some point say, okay, they've been selling us a bad bill of goods for a few years now. That's the reality. Once Gettleman, the last two seasons now, Gettleman has said, well, now we're here, right? And we're competitive. We won five games last season. And going back before that, we have pieces. But then over the seasons, you see, right, how much of this roster has turned over from two years ago. Almost 100% of this roster is gone. And some of the players that were brought in by Dave Gettleman from last year are going to be gone. You know, so you're talking about even some of the, the, the free agents that you brought in over this process have, are going to no longer be with this team. And I think within the Dave Gettleman era, you're talking about a guy who is trying to offer a level of, quote, stability while also knowing that he, like, if, he has, if he's worth anything for his value as a GM, he knows where the holes are on this roster, how bad we are or are not, and how far away we are. Well, and, and that brings us to, I think, the, the, the final thing that, that's a wrap-up about this game, but yeah. more towards the future, is when we talk about the Giants and we say the Bears are one piece away, the, the Giants are multiple pieces away, mm-hmm. that brings me to – how many players on the Giants would you say are expendable? Like, we're talking about building a roster mm. and building a championship-level team. And my question to you, is there three guys, five guys, ten guys on the roster? Like, 
how many guys on the Giants right now, or you know, if you want to say who is the nucleus of this team that will bring us to a playoff level, who who are those players? Is there is there three? Is there five? Is there ten? Like, what's your what's your take on it? Yeah, and, and honestly, and I'll, I'll do it in almost real time here, right? We, I mean, we know Daniel Jones, we know Saquon Barkley, right? There's players that you can like, even like a Wayne Gallman in a backup role, but they, obviously we know they're expendable, right? So now you're, to, now you're getting to the wide receivers. If you want to say Sterling Shepard, I think Darius Slayton is involved there as well. On the offensive line, I can only count Hernandez as being a part of that because of how young he is. And we even talked about today, on that play, when Soldier gave up that strip sack, Hernandez, which we, I think we even highlighted the last time, and I, I, I talked about it even on Sportscaster a little bit, uh, that he gets caught back on his heels, going back towards the quarterback, where he looks like he is getting eaten up a little bit. Nevertheless, you know that he's a proponent of this. So, that, and I'll throw in Zeitler even, let's say, right? I would short too. Term. I would too. So you're up to six on the offensive side of the ball, and we've already covered every single position there. So that's six. We get over to the defensive side of the ball now. You're talking about, I'm going to say Leonard Williams because the intention is to sign him long-term. You're going to put in uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence, obviously. And here's where the problem is, right? Because you can say, I'll say Peppers, because I, I actually do believe in him. And I think within a strong defense, he works really well for you. But you need to have, every, you know, everything needs to be good for him to excel at the highest level. The problem is, we don't know about Sam Beal. We don't know about Valentine. We may find out about Love. And that could be a guy that I would plug in and say, he can be a cornerstone for you. And maybe he even showed a little bit of a flash in this game. But we don't know about Love. We don't know about Baker. We know that Janoris Jenkins, even in the long term, isn't going to be a part of this. So I could probably only list three, maybe four defensive players. Combine that with the offense. You're talking about 10 players on a 55-man roster that you feel are legitimate. In, as the core of the team and, and some of those have question marks yeah and and I would add Evan Ingram is probably one of those guys he was hurt today but mm-hmm. he's a guy that uh he is explosive enough where he should be part of the future and if he's not then we should get capital for him but he's definitely one of the other guys on the offensive side of the ball so you have you have about you know a little over half of the offensive side that you can see promising mm-hmm. but to your point there's only there's only three maybe four guys on the defensive side that you say are guys that you want to build around the other ones are ones where yeah maybe they're here on a one-year deal and they're just filling in roster spots there's other ones that are okay they're they're fine for what they're doing right now you know I I I agree with you on Peppers I think we get a couple of other better defensive players around him you know Ogletree played but by the way left his game as well with an injury so just be clear I mean you know there's question marks about how, where he'll be just for the rest of the season. That's a, a minor footnote, yeah. I guess. He was injured. He came out after the game and was quoted like, I'm hurting, but I'm going to try to play through it. Who knows whether that's a real big injury or just a, just a knock. But, but you're right. I mean, this is what us as Giant fans are thinking about is, what is the future? Because the, the rest of the season is thinking about developing young players and draft picks and different things like that. And – while we're doing that, we need to think, well, who are the guys on the roster that are actually going to make an impact in 2020, not 2019? Yeah, and I will say, I think the dovetail of this, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it. We'll wrap this one up. We're going to come back later in the week. And uh, as we've been mentioning before, we're going to try to expand some of the content that we talk about and try to find um, some more interesting angles to take on some of these, obviously, with a 2-9 and nine team. You know, the other problem that happens here is, NFL teams always talk about building chemistry and continuity, right? So now what you're talking about, though, is 
we have guys like Ogletree makes a big play this game, like Antoine Buffet, who we, we've been saying is obviously a washed-up player. There's a number of guys on this roster that you go are the veteran presence for this team that won't be here next year. So now all of a sudden, the guys that are in year two, maybe year three, they become a semi-leader for this group who are still learning, though. And then you bring in the rookies, and they're still learning. So even when you get in talent, which I think the Giants have in some of these spots, and we talked about, like, especially cornerback and secondary, you know, there's talent there. Oh, you know what? I will list – sorry. I will list Carter. This is an interesting – okay, we'll wrap up on this. I'll ask you a question. A lot of feedback on social media has been about that the Giants were anticipating Carter's taking a next step forward in year number two and that he hasn't and that he cannot be considered a component for this defense going forward. How, how do you feel about Lawrence Carter? Lawrence uh, Carter? I, I'm on the fence, to be honest. I think he's had flashes where I think, okay, he can be one of those guys at the linebacking core that, that, that could stabilize the team. And I think – He's not part of the problem. I don't look at it to say that he's necessarily a core that has to be here, but I think he is a guy that's shown enough to me that we put other good players around him, and I think he can he can produce. And, you know, we saw in a couple of games before he got hurt, Ryan Connolly looked great. And, like, we're hoping that if he comes off of his knee injury – the way that we expect him to, he could be a nice piece that we get back that may shore up the defense a little bit. And so for me, you know, um, while, while I don't think Lorenzo Carter is necessarily the quintessential guy you have to keep, I think he's, you know, every team needs stable pieces. I think he can be one of those. Yeah. yeah okay. Cause I mean, that, that's really where I stand too. Like I do think that his, his ceiling is still to, to be defined right now. I think there's still room for him to grow. And I know that there's been some chatter about the idea of maybe he would kick inside and become an inside linebacker for you. And then you get faster weapons around him on the edge rushing position. Um, so I, I just, I, I am pretty high on him. And I, I was a little surprised about the backlash kind of against him in and around the internet saying that like, no, yeah, he hasn't shown it this year. And automatically it means like now you're already going to the draft saying you have to find a guy that replaces him. I think you can still look at him as a player that you want to be a part of that unit. And when you don't have anyone else, right now, we said, like, Ogletree's a guy we're going to move on from in the offseason. So what you're talking about is in, the, in, in a two inside linebackers and two edge outside guys, Carter's the, he's the only guy that you think is a starter for your right. team. So, I mean, there's no other starters with him. So how can you, you right. know. There's, there's only so many people you can move on from in the offseason. Yes, you want to upgrade every position. Right. There's yeah. some positions where you got to be okay with the depth or the, or the players that you have on the roster. And what I think is going to be fascinating, and we're going to continue to get into this as we go through the podcast towards the end of the year, is the you know when we look at the the cap space, you know the Odell Beckham trade, we ate I think it was sixteen or seventeen yeah, million yeah, yeah. this year uh, to to be able to get him off the roster, which really prohibited us. But I think to Gettleman's credit, he knew this team wasn't going to compete, so eat that money right now. We have Eli Manning. That was eating up about 20, you know, different things, yeah. say 23 so or 17. 17 off of it. Yeah, yeah, 17 is is the number that I'm reading. So you're talking about, you know, $30 million and guys that aren't even playing for you. So while I would love to upgrade every single position, I think there's certain guys like Lorenzo Carter that can be here. And when we sign other pieces or we draft other pieces, he can complement other people and we can get better through that. Yeah, and that's the way I look at a lot of these players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think you can keep over a Love or a Valentine or a Baker, you know, 
And you can keep these, these guys can be a part of what happens here going forward. And then you surround them with some better pieces through free agency. And all of a sudden they're an asset as a two, as opposed to maybe playing at a one or a higher level than you necessarily want them to currently and as rookies. So, and, and I think, you know, the, the Bears podcast talked a little bit about it. They were a, a 5-11 and 11 team, and they vaulted themselves into the playoffs with a couple of, of, of tweaks. Oh, I did, I did like that piece that they gave I, yeah. that, that gave me hope because I thought the same thing. I mean, if we win three or four games this year and we do think we have the quarterback that's going to move us forward and he's on a rookie contract, like this is the time where we can spend money in the offseason, get the defense better, shore up the offensive line, make a couple of good, good draft picks. And if you look around the NFC East, you know, the Cowboys and the Eagles are both floating around 500, just above 500. It's not like any of them are 14 and two and you look at it and you're, and you're saying we're never going to be there. The most disastrous part of this is that in a year when you thought that the Eagles and, and Cowboys were going to be, you know, in there headstrong for NFC number one seeds it feels like it's like these are a couple of these years where you go, oh, man, this is where you creep up and you steal a division from somebody, and we're not even in a position to remotely consider no, doing that. Adam, that, think, that, 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 think that, positive. Think that. positive. That means our outlook is better. This was never a team that was going to compete for uh, an NFC East title. So, like, you know, for me, I look at it as, as this is a promise where they aren't – neither of these other two teams are taking the next step. Carson Wentz has looked – very shaky, very questionable. He's yeah. bottom three in, in, in yards per attempt now. He he is taking a step back. So for me, I'm you know my silver excited with, yeah. about it. You know what my silver line with the Cowboys is? Is I'm like, well, it might as well be bad when they have like one of the best offensive lines because it's like they're gonna get old. They're gonna they're not gonna be able to afford everybody. And maybe like if we we just didn't get hot as they're starting to need to like retool some things and maybe it gives us a shot. So <laughs> From that standpoint, you can tell where any Giants fan, or especially where Andy and I are, when it comes to you know uh, our level of optimism. Um, one of the things that you can do, and that Andy and I started talking about, if you've been over on Sportscaster as we tie a bow on this particular episode, I have been going on and highlighting some things. I don't want to take up too much energy or time on our podcast in terms of looking towards uh, free agency and the draft as well. But I did spend some time going through a few positions. We've already touched on over there, the linebacking core, and especially in and around the edge rushers. So if you want to go over to Sportscaster and check out One Giant Podcast, you will find myself highlighting where we stand currently. I go over some pro football focus stat lines when it comes to our current linebacking core, the edge rushers, as well as the defensive line. And then we dive into a little bit of a couple free agency options and then especially the draft. And because I have it up on my screen, I will say Evan Weaver is a guy that's been rising up the drafting board. He's in California playing right now. The reason why I like him is because he's a 6'3", 245-pound inside-outside linebacker, has played all throughout that unit at the college level, and everything indicates that he can go sideline to sideline for you as well as be a thumper within the run defense. So information like that is what you can go over and do. As always, you can also get after us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at One Giant Podcast. You can uh, also go wherever you download your podcast, like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go to iTunes and rate and review. It really helps us rise up the charts. That's important to us. Andy, I think you feel like you have, did you pull up the last little tidbit here? No. Wow. I, I mean, uh, I, that's disappointing. I, no. I was hoping I, for yes. something a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it would have been yeah. nice if I, if I had a nice little nugget. But what, what I think like everything that Adam was saying is as, as we do this podcast, we know that talking about giant losses is very difficult and we want to look to the future and we want to look to the positives. 
But we also know that we still have five games left and we want to make sure to give you those, uh, you know, predictions and reviews of what's going to be happening. So we're going to be hitting you uh, later on this week uh, with a prediction and an update on the Packers versus Giants that's happening on Sunday. We certainly will. And as we know, we also caught a couple of little breaks there when it comes to the NFL standings. Some good, uh, good teams. <laughs> that was a mistake there. Some bad teams that we actually saw winning have worked out to our advantage in terms of the draft and given us an opportunity to continue to solidify a high uh, draft pick in the upcoming 2020 NFL draft. I will say, we talked about this before, I am not someone who is above being comfortable with the Giants losing because of what it means for next year. But every single week, I do come out. I do want to see the Giants play well. I want to see Daniel Jones play well. And, I, and I'm totally behind the Giants winning any of these games that they want to down the stretch. But, as you said, the Redskins came up Massive. with a big win at home against the Lions. Massive that is huge for the Giants in terms of draft picks. The Jets had a monster win against the Raiders at home. They are so far out of our view now, I, doubling I mean, our win total. I, I don't know how you describe the rearview mirror, but in, in terms of draft picks, they are way, way behind us now. And it would have been nice if uh, the, the Bengals, Bengals <laughs> found yeah. a way to get a, get a win, but I think they're probably locked into the number one pick and not having a win so far this season. But there were some some interesting finishes, uh, you know, this weekend that definitely helped the Giants even in a loss. A hundred percent. And obviously we'll be looking forward to the matchup with the Dolphins and with the Redskins down the road here, as those are the two big matchups that pertain to specifically how we rank out in the draft class. All that being said, we're going to come back into you later in the week, as Andy mentioned, diving into the Green Bay Packers matchup and giving you some insights and uh, outlooks for what we can expect from that game, hoping for a better turnaround and output from our young rookie quarterback in that one for sure. Until then, Andy, uh, I think it is Go Big Blue. That, that, that You say, I end the podcast, and then you say Go Big Blue, and then I say, this has been... One job. That's the thing. Go, go big blue. Ah, this has been one giant podcast.